Good evening, everybody, and it's good to be back with you. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Hebrews. And we're going to read Hebrews chapter 7. So we're starting to read at verse 1, Hebrews chapter 7. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who became priests to collect a tenth from the people. This is their brothers. Even though their brothers are descendants from Abraham, this man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestors. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the law was given to the people. Why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when there is a change to the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things were said belonged to a different tribe. The one that, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. One who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an instructable life, indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the Lord made no, law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn, and we will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. For because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, 
he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is wholly blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. I ask that God will bless that reading of his word and let's just pray as we come and gather around it. Father, we thank you for these words and we sometimes find them confusing. But our Father, help us to understand that which you would have us understand so that we might see more of you and our father we thank you for the encouragement that we can take from your word and we ask your blessing upon us now as we gather around it together and as we gather in the name of our high priest the one who is jesus amen well hebrews chapter 7 we're going to look at this um passage about melchizedek so let's just read uh verse one through to three and we'll head this with the question who is melchizedek right this melchizedek was king of salem and priest of god most high he met abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him and abraham gave him a tenth of everything first the name melchizedek means king of righteousness then also king of salem which means king of peace with our father or mother without genealogy, without beginnings of day or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Melchizedek is one of the most important people in Scripture, and yet we know so little about him. But what we do know about him gives us a rich insight into understanding more of the character of Jesus. And I think this is important, that in the character of Melchizedek, we see Jesus, so we don't have to worry too much about Melchizedek, because the centre of this is always Jesus. We've already had a brief introduction to him from the writer in this letter to the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, you remember, this is what we read. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Then we come to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 10, and we read this. And was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And Hebrews 6 verse 20. Where our forerunners, where, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. A priest forever designated by God, a forerunner to Jesus. So what do we learn about Melchizedek now as we come into chapter 7? Melchizedek was king and priest. He was without genealogy, he had no beginning and no end. He was the resemblance of the Son of God. 
He also had an encounter with Abraham. So let's go and have a look at that. And we'll find that in Genesis uh, chapter 14. Just a, a quick overview of what happened there. Abraham had been blessed by God. He was a man of influence. Uh, and a war was going on. It was in progress among the other kings of the day. But during that time, Abraham received a word that his nephew Lot, who was living in Sodom, had been taken captive. So Abraham, with his own men, went out, defeated those who had taken Lot, and rescued him and the rest of the people of Sodom. Now we read that the king of Sodom met, came to, to meet with Abraham and to make basically a deal with Abraham. But before that happened, he was also met by Melchizedek, or Melchizedek met with Abraham. So let's just read a little bit of that passage. We've got the background to what was happening in chapter 14, verse 17 through to 24. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedorlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Solomon came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Solomon said to Abraham, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourselves. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand, I have sworn a note to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread of the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. I will accept nothing. But what my men have eaten, and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Ana, Eskol, and Mamre, let them have their share. Abraham had just won a great battle, an important battle. He'd freed the Lot, her, his nephew, and the people that he lived with. And here, he's offered a choice between two kings, the king of Sodom, who said, give me the people that you have just set free, and you can keep the spoils of war for yourself. The other king is King Melchizedek of Salem. King, king of righteousness, and Salem, king of peace. And he, he offered Abraham bread and wine. He blessed Abraham in the name of God, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. As we continue in the book of Hebrews, we will see the relevance of this meeting between Abraham and Melchizedek. Remember, the people that the writer is speaking to are Jewish people. They will know this. They will know this passage. They probably puzzled themselves over who is this character, Melchizedek. Well, now they're going to be enlightened. Abraham chose to trust God and not man. And he said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God, most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you. So let's keep all that in mind as we go back to our passage in Hebrews and learn more about Melchizedek. So let's read verse 4 and verse 5. 
Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch, Abraham, gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now, the law requires the descendants of Levi, who became priest, to collect a tenth from the people. That is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descendants of Abraham. So we're seeing here that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. And when we come to verse 6, this man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. So we learn that Melchizedek was not of the tribe of Levi. We also learn that he is greater than Abraham. And these verses teach us that. And that passage that we read about Abraham teaches that. Verse 7, and without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So who was the lesser? The lesser was Abraham. Who was the greater? Melchizedek. So by that very fact, Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. The lesser is blessed by the greater. Verse 8 through to 10 of chapter 7. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestors. What does this mean? Well, it's, it's quite straightforward. It's the tribe of Levi and Aaron, who would become the priesthood, and who were yet to be born. But when they were, and when the priesthood was established, part of their duty to be done by them was what Abraham did when he met Melchizedek. Well, what did he do? Well, he gave Melchizedek a tenth. Numbers 18, verse 26. This is instruction from, Moses, from God to Moses to the Levites. Speak to the Levites and say to them, When you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tenth as the Lord's offering. Do you see the connection? Now Melchizedek was not of the tribe of Levi, but Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils. And so when the priesthood was established, part of that was that they would give a tenth of what they had to God. So Melchizedek, the person is greater than Abraham, the person. Why do we need another high priest? And if we do, why is it that he's not of the tribe of Levi? He's not a Levi. Let's go to verse 11 of our passage. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that that to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? 
one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. You see, the priesthood and the law were not perfect. Now, this didn't mean that they were wrong, but it means that it was incomplete. As a printer, and I've probably mentioned this to you before, if something is to be printed on both sides, then the machine that does that is called a perfecter. Now, if there's a machine that can't do that, then it would have to be printed twice. Once on the machine, and then it would have to be printed again on the other side in order for it to be a perfecter, uh, perfected. <laughs> but the machine that does it all in one hit is called a perfecter. And when something is printed on both sides, it is complete. So perfection here means completion. So let us look at what happened before the birth of Jesus when Mary, who was with child, went to see Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. As we hear what Elizabeth said on that occasion, this is in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 42 through to 45. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promise. So Jesus is the completion, the fulfilment of the promise. The priesthood and the law are inseparable. They are a representation of God's promise. That promise will be made complete in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, both the priesthood and the law, as it stands, will have served their purpose and will now be replaced. Verse 12 through to 13. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. So the law and the priesthood are inseparable. How is that? Well, the priesthood is established in the law. The law given to Moses said that the priests must be of the tribe of Levi, and the high priest from the family of Aaron. And they need to be between a certain age and with physical and ceremonial requirements. And this is how they were selected. So, if the order of the priesthood would be changed, so the law would need to be changed to come in line with the new priesthood. The different tribe is the tribe of Judah. No one up to now from Judah had been allowed to serve at the altar, in other words, to serve as a priest. And those who tried were severely punished by God. We can see that in our Bibles. That was because that position was reserved for the one who would 
come and serve under the new priestly order and with the new law. So do you understand now why when those who, who tried to take on the role of priest were punished by God because that was a sacred position and it was preserved for another one, the one who was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 14 to 16. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear. If another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. You know, these are great words, there's great understanding here in them. The priest, after the order of Melchizedek, is Jesus. As Melchizedek was a priest after the order of the Son of God. And the Son of God is Jesus. The law will then be kept not by sacrificing animals, but now, as it is written on our heart, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our High Priest. Verse 17 to 21. For it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God, and it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn, and I will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. You see, when it says the law was weak and useless, it was because it could never, ever atone for sin. It could only show show up sin and then indicate the need that is required because of sin. So the law made nothing perfect. In other words, it was incomplete, as was the priesthood. It's already been declared by God in the Old Testament and in the New. It was declared by Jesus, by Peter and by Paul. And they used that psalm that we've been looking at in, in our daily devotions in Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The law was not complete. It wasn't perfect. And it needs to be complete. It needs to be perfect. The better hope is a certain hope that we have in Christ. And the Lord has sworn, that's the oath, and will not change his mind because he is God. You are a priest. This is Jesus he's speaking to forever in the order of Melchizedek. The following verses as we draw towards the end in truth, speak for themselves as the writer tells us how and why Jesus is greater 
and he's a greater high priest. And his order is a greater order than the old order of the priesthood. Verse 22 through to 25. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So Jesus is high priest by the oath of God, not by his family lineage. The promise is guaranteed. It is eternal. It's complete. It's perfect. And he lives to intercede for us. Verse 26 to 28. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. His position is higher. Let's read on. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus is the once and for all perfect sacrifice. Let's read on. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus is King and priest. Just as we draw to a close uh, on this particular passage, let's remember that the first Jewish readers of this letter were living at a time when the temple in Jerusalem was still in use. The priests and the high priests were still going about their daily duties and the majority of the Jews would still be bringing their sacrifices and offerings to present to the temple. They didn't have to do that. Those things were now redundant because the perfect sacrifice was made when Jesus died on the cross. But let's remember, these people are still living in that environment. The temple is still there. The high priest is still there. The sacrifices are still being made. But these people now, they have accepted Jesus. Christianity has been seen by some as blasphemous and offensive. That's how Paul saw it when he was Saul. Others saw it as an offshoot to Judaism, a new thing. The Jewish Christians knew that the fulfillment of the promise, which was linked to the old way, because the old way was a shadow of the new way, the promise that was made to the Jewish nations was Jesus. And so the writer was reminding them of the importance of what they had. The sacrifice, yes, sacrifice, worship and communion with God, they were still going on by them and in the way that Jesus had laid down. Sacrifice, worship and communion with God and showing them that this is what they have in Jesus and it's superior to the old way 
the ways that they were still seeing go on, going on around them as friends, family members, neighbours, would all be going to the temple, still making the offerings through the priests and through the high priest of the day, but they weren't necessary. And those people needed to grasp hold of this. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Everything is in him. And you know, we to do today need to recognise this. And we need to see the depth and the beauty of it. Next week, in chapter 8, we're going to see the, the ministry of the high priest under the new covenant. So let's look forward to that. And I know this is a long passage, but may God continue to bless us through it. Let's just pray. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to meet in this way. We thank you for the beauty and, and the depth of your word. It is the living word. And we know that this was written specifically for those who were being drawn towards the old way of Judaism. But, our Father, we pray that we might not be drawn back towards our old ways of life. Everything we need is in Christ. And we come this evening around your word in his name. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen.